spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy Tuesday, everybody. Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad. Can we do it different today? Oh, how do you want to do it? Can I be Gatos today and you be Chad? I, I just did the happy, happy. I feel like I'm already halfway there. Yeah. I could I could be a hypochondriac for the day. Would I've got some great reptile facts that I can share okay, later on. Okay, I think right. we're halfway there. We're halfway there. <laughs> Thanks for uh, checking out the show today. We really appreciate it. Um, some big news, I think, in the sports world. Yep. Two days in a row we've gotten stories about the Phoenix Suns, and they could not be more different. Fair enough. Yesterday, uh, a, I guess you could call it a follow-up story from ESPN about the workplace culture yep. that the Phoenix Suns have built. We obviously know what happened with owner Robert Sarver, the majority owner. Uh, a lot of bad stuff went on. And a negative culture. The NBA basically said, you're not allowed to be around your team for a year. Here's a really big fine. And then he said, all right, cool. I'll just sell the team. Right. Which is a hell of a way to tell a business person that they did something wrong is to hand them $4 billion. But How much did he pay for it originally? Uh, four hundred million. Hold on one second. Let me do the math on that oh, real quick. Bruce is doing Boy, that'll here. show him. <laughs> he just got ten times what he paid for it. We're talking about return on investment. That's a business term I just thought of. Oh, good. Uh, you should use it more often. So yesterday, I should I should abide by it more often. Yesterday, the story was a follow up. It was basically saying that just because Sarver is out doesn't mean that the bad workplace culture goes with him. There were other people who were responsible for implementing that culture or upholding that culture that was set at the top. Who are still around. Yeah, they haven't uh, gone anywhere. There were names named. There's allegations of, of wrongdoing against uh, people like Team President Jason Rowley was accused of certain things like yelling at female co-workers, sweeping sexual harassment under the rug, treating uh, clients differently than employees, things like that. And then today we find out that the Phoenix Suns have been sold. Uh, or at least that an agreement is coming into Pretty place darn close. with a guy named Matt Ishbia. I've never heard of him. So I I had not heard of Matt Ishbia before today. Okay, good. Full I'm glad disclosure. I wasn't the only one. No, full disclosure. Had not heard of the guy. He's a billionaire. Well, he needs to be. I would, why do I? How are you a billionaire and you fly under the radar like that? How I, do I not know who these people are? I don't claim to know every billionaire. So I guess it okay, makes sense. Fair enough. But this guy in 2000, so like 20-ish years ago. Okay. Was the last guy on the bench for the Michigan State Spartans, Spartans. who won a championship. He pl- he played college basketball for Tom Izzo. Played basketball, so he knows the sport pretty well. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, he, he coached under walk Izzo. on and yeah, made the team on his own talent. Uh, he joined, I believe. I believe I read his father gave him a job at his uh, mortgage lending company. Okay, and he worked his way up. And he now runs one of the biggest mortgage lending companies in the country. Got it. Clearly, he's a billionaire 20 Got years later. Lots of money. I mean, he makes... He he's has still a relatively money. young guy, then, I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. He's like 40-ish, 41, yeah. something like that. This guy, think of it this way. He was the last guy on the team, mm-hmm. a walk-on, mm-hmm. and he's got way more money than LeBron James. Ouch. Think of it that way. Ouch. And this is the guy that's purchasing the Phoenix Suns. I, I hate being the guy who goes on the air the day that there's a brand new owner that I don't know personally. Never heard of him. Because everybody will tell you, oh, he seems like a great family yeah. guy. He's built a strong business. Mm. I don't know anything about this dude. Don't. I really don't. Yeah. So what I do, okay. whenever somebody new gets hired to town, for Already? whether it's politics or if it's a coach or whatever, is I literally just go to YouTube and I search their name. Okay. I was going to say, you go to the Google machine and you're yeah. like, what, what can I learn about? Well, What's Google, his name again? Matt Ishbia. Ishbia. Who is a, a, in charge of a mortgage lending company. Got it. He, I found a, like a leadership conference he spoke at. Which billionaires tend to. And I just, I just watched it. 
okay. for a few minutes. Just I don't know what I'm going to get so out of this. So this is this is this is the potentially the new owner of the Suns speaking at a, a not about basketball. This was years ago, right? Yeah, I will say this. Uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with basketball. Okay. This has nothing. This is all about how he runs his business. Just his vibe. And I got to be honest with you, it makes me kind of want to work for Ooh. him. Ooh. Things start with the leadership, start at the top. If I make it, take it serious, they take it serious. If I think it's not important, they think it's not important. And so you are very important as a leader of your organization to make sure you set the tone. Now, that's just generally mm. a good thing because we talked yesterday about the trickle-down effect. Yeah. If Robert Sarver had a, a bad attitude or allowed certain things to happen, maybe that would trickle down to his employees. And it goes both which, ways. Which I think a lot of people can understand this, Steve, because they've either worked at a place with a a good culture, or maybe they worked at a place with a bad culture, and you know how the corner office, the, the, the C-suite, whatever it might be, that whatever they're kind of putting out, people tend to mimic and mirror down the chain. You want to please the boss. That's how the boss operates. That's how I'm going to operate. Now, that's a pretty broad thing to say. The uh, uh, Leaders, you know, set the tone. Anybody could have said that, right? So I dig a little deeper. What else is this guy all about and how he runs his business? I think one of the most disrespectful things to do is if I have a meeting with 10 people and it starts at 930 and I walk in at 933, that's three minutes times 10 people. I just wasted 30 minutes of my people's time. Disrespectful, unacceptable. We don't do it here. This is the kind of guy who literally Mm. counts how much time, how many minutes, how many seconds probably that he wasted in his business. I hear that from a lot of, when you talk about like the really successful people, maybe not just monetarily, but really successful people, they realize that time is finite. There are only so many minutes in an hour, so many hours in a day. And once you lose them, you can never get them back. Minutes or dollars. Oh, time is money. That's my phrase. I just came up with that one. Oh, that was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. How about this one? This one's even a little quirkier than that. We allow no technology in our meetings. So if I run a meeting, you're not having your phone out in front of me. You're not having a laptop. You're going to take notes and you're going to fill it up later because we are effectively every minute matters. No technology in his meetings. Now, does he bring that policy with him to the Phoenix Suns? I I don't know. Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. But... But this is potentially the guy who's going to be setting the tone for your Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And I know that's just three clips I played you that I pulled out of context from a speech he did for a leadership conference. It has no reflection on how good of an owner he might be in the NBA. None whatsoever. He might be the worst. I don't know. I'm hoping he's not because we probably already had experience with the worst. But this at least gives you a little glimpse into how this guy runs his business. He's very... Attentive to detail, and I like that. Yeah, well, and and you know, it always remains to be seen. And I, I, I admit that I don't hang out with nearly enough billionaires. That we gotta like do to. that more. Yeah. Really, we should. We do that. Um, but when you are successful in business and you buy a professional sports team, do you stop doing your business? No. No, like the professional sports team doesn't become your job. It's it's a hobby for many of them, right? It's a side gig. You don't stop doing whatever it is that made you all the money. Although, when you take a look at what Sarver spent four hundred million and selling it for four billion, maybe you maybe you should quit your business. That's the other aspect of this. So teams don't get sold all that often in any sport, right? Uh, the last one I could think of in the NBA was the Clippers when Donald Sterling was forced, was forced to sell them. It was like two Steve billion. Ballmer. Yeah, I think it was two billion. I mean, the Suns just got. Sold for twice that, yeah. and we're only a handful of years later. I mean, yeah. that was that was a handful of years ago. 
Um, four billion? That's one of the most expensive purchases of a sports franchise out there. And yeah. I, I venture to guess that the Suns are not the most expensive no, or the most valuable franchise. In nowhere near, right? And that's why and that's how they do it. Well, if the Clippers were worth two billion. Then the Suns. And if the Suns are worth four billion, you know, people like the Lakers are like we are worth a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, that's how Laker fans. Yeah, all the owners around the league today are like they all just got a raise. Billion, yeah. yeah like, well, uh, the, the value of their property just went up. They're like, maybe uh, we maybe we're selling. Yeah, <laughs> we're putting who do I need to harass around this place to sell? <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, that's offsides. Coming up next, Carrie Lake will have her day in court, and I'm totally cool with that. Yes. I'll tell you why next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show. Steve Zinsweister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad. The Eagles are returning to the Footprint Center on March 1st for the Hotel California 2023 tour. Oh, for God's sake. Tickets are now on sale, but you can win a pair by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. So, you know, I I, I have a background in the music industry. Yeah. Uh, Can I tell you what we call those tours? That Eagle story, it's called the 401k tour. Mm. They're just padding their 401k. They all of their, you know, they're just they're going to give as much money out of their fans as you know because they it, don't have a new album out. They're not, you no, know, not down no. touring in support of this is a 401k tour. I noticed it's called the Hotel California 2023 tour. Was there a Hotel California 2022 <laughs> tour? There was. There was. A, yeah. Either this is a continuation of yeah, the four, or it is a, another one. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's too much money well, it's out like there. I'm even wearing oh, my oh, oh. Uh, Elton John merch that I got. There you the go. Concert. The yellow brick road goodbye tour Hello? which went on for like three years yeah oh I've, I've been to at least three different elton john's last concerts i i went to the rolling stones last concert did you really in 1989 <laughs> i went to their last concert you know i mean i've just the a last few years tour. ago yeah I've, I've, i think Cher is gonna have another goodbye tour here pretty soon too. Oh, my <laughs> well and they're all looking that. around at how much success and how much money they're all making they're yeah. like yeah maybe we could do one more. 401k tour. Well, the 401k That's what it is. It's 401k tour. Let's go ahead and fund that 401k. I like that. Uh, in the news today, uh, we were waiting yesterday during the show for a reaction from a judge on Carrie Lake's challenge to the governor's race. Yeah. She yesterday, the, the the defense, which is basically the state of Arizona, uh, and, and her opponent, and Katie Hobbs, <laughs> filed a motion to dismiss. Right. Uh, which is standard. I was... I heard legal minds speaking about this, and I know some lawyers, and asked them, and they go, first, it doesn't matter what the case is. The first thing you do is go, motion to dismiss, and you stand in front of the judge and go, oh, they have no case whatsoever. Everybody does that. So the judge took that under advisement and came back and said, kind of. Right? Yeah. He, so there were, I believe there were, what, 10 counts? 10 counts that she was claiming. And the judge threw out eight of them. And so said, for the most part, he's like, yeah. It's bogus. The eight of the arguments he, that they made in front, he said there isn't even enough basis to move forward on so this. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, Steve, if there's 10 and he threw out eight, then what happened to the other two? So basically the judge is saying that he's going to allow Kerry Lake's team the opportunity to explain themselves, to provide evidence to the other two counts. In a two-day trial. Right. Prove Prove time limit on it. Prove it yeah. is basically what the judge is saying. Here's what those counts are. The first one, it's called count two out of ten. Uh-huh. Uh, count two, she basically uh, alleged that the printers malfunctioned on election day. You remember that happened in Maricopa County, and then we, remember we had the the reporter on who told us why. Jen Fifield. Jen Fifield. We had her on. Vote beat, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking She's the about the leading used, expert on pens and printers and all that well, stuff. And then she had the uh, uh, she went 
in her article, she actually had the a link to the owner's manual for the, the printers. Printer. It's basically something from Kinko's. Yeah. Well, or, it's, uh, it's anything you can get yeah, off the shelf. And that they were using the wrong paper. And it said in there, don't use that paper. Like, they, the paper was the wrong paper. Yeah. It, like, gummed up the machine. Oh, Anybody boy. that has a copier or a printer at their office knows about gumming up the machine. Anyway. Well, the difference there is technical error versus intent. So, Carrie Lake's camp says that those printers malfunctioned because of intentionally uh, something that employees did right. at the polling locations with the intent to change the result of the election. Malfeasance. So the judge, which I like this, by the way. Okay. The judge says, okay, instead of throwing that out for being erroneous, which it probably is, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you prove it to me. And the bar that is set for the burden of proof is not just, okay, show that something went wrong with the printers. Show me that it was intentional and show me that it changed the result of the election. That's right, an it incredibly had to, high bar to set. It had to be more than I, I'm, you know, I'm mathematically illiterate. Fifteen thousand, seventeen thousand votes, whatever the difference was. They said you're going to have to show that whatever you're arguing, the difference would be enough to change the election. Right. So even if she were to prove that there was an employee or multiple employees who did something nefarious to, to five hundred ballots to alter the, the the course of the election, now okay, you proved that. Great. Still doesn't mean you get to be governor because right. now you have to prove that the results would have been significant. Would change. I, I can't imagine there's a world. Pretty high that. bar. That's a really high bar. Yeah. Uh, count four. I understand this a lot less. I'm not going to lie to you. But okay. it's basically about chain of custody. Uh, yes. Argues that the ability of employees of the county's ballot contractor to add ballots of family members and the lack of an inbound receipt of delivery form. That's a lot of jargon that I don't really understand. It's mumbo jumbo. I'm more interested in what she has to say about the printers. Yeah, because, you know, the the reality is of the 10 claims, again, eight of them were basically thrown out of court uh, and said, you've got no chance on these whatsoever. Either either you haven't even remotely come close to proving that this is an issue or it's irrelevant to the the argument. But on the next two, uh, Carrie Lake and her attorneys are now going to have to prove in a court of law. But bring your evidence, and, and I'm fine. I think everybody deserves their day in court. Put up or shut up time. That's why I'm cool with this, because I'll be honest with you. 24 hours ago when you and I were sitting here talking about this, I anticipated the judge was just going to throw out all 10. Mm. I was just going to say, no, this is all And then Carrie Lake could say it's a liberal judge and he hates Yeah, she would stand up and kick and scream right. and, and basically play herself as the martyr. I, it, it's a playbook that we've seen in politics for years. I'm glad that the judge said, you know what? I want you to prove it to me. I want you to bring me the evidence, show me what you got, and we're going to take a look at it. And those things are going to obviously become public. We're all going to know about it. I'm interested to see what happens in this. I don't believe that it's going to go anywhere. I don't think she has a great case. Don't get me wrong. But I'm at least glad they challenged her as opposed to just throwing it all away. I thought it was interesting, you know, and and again, you know, it's like, which world do you live in? Do you live in the world where eight of the 10 counts were thrown out? At face value, and two are going to be allowed to go forward in a trial with the caveat you got to prove. <laughs> you know, the, the, the defense does it. You have to prove something went wrong. We don't have to prove it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, or do you live in the world where Carrie Lake was saying yesterday, we won in court and we're going to put Kenny Hobbs and we're going to be a governor? Which, uh, which world do you live in? Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, because you're right, they have kind of been claiming, quote-unquote, victory, victory for this. Like, yeah, they, I'm like, we get to stand in front of a 
judge and yeah. that's a victory. You're gonna I guess. have to you're gonna have to prove this crackpot stuff now. Really, Good luck. Really, what happened is they threw ten darts at a dartboard and two of them hit the dartboard. Yeah. Not the bullseye. Nowhere near the bullseye. They hit, they hit the dartboard. Nowhere near. Now the they have to stand in front of a, a a judge and throw those darts at the bullseye and see if they can hit it. Yeah, and that's very slim chance, I think. Um. Yeah. So the judge uh, and the judge tipped his hand a little bit because he basically told Lake's attorneys they're going to have to show that the printer malfunction, which was yeah. one of them, was intentionally rigged to affect the election results. And if that's true, that they happened enough to actually affect the outcome of the race. Now, I got to admit. I still have a lot of questions about what happened to those printers on Election Day. I know we talked to Jen Fifield about mm-hmm. what she thinks happened, but the fact that it happened at so many places at the same time, yeah. it, it seems systemic. It seems like it should have been found in the check beforehand. And the reason that the check was done a month beforehand and not two days before the election. It's government. What do you, I, you, I understand. You're, you're shocked that it runs inefficiently. I, 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 I expect it. We were different. I still have questions, but did any of them affect the outcome of the election? No, no. absolutely not. Coming up next. It's happening more and more to kids. Ooh. How did they just spend thousands of your dollars on a stupid app? Don't. We'll dive into that next. Arizona's news station. KTAR News 92.3 FM. A mashup of news, information, and entertainment. The Gatos and Chad Show, 2 till 6. And this portion of the program is brought to you by Parker and Sense Plumbing and Electrical, the two-time winner of the Better Business Bureau's Ethics Awards, Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad. It's a growing trend, Bruce, and I, I think you have something to add to this. Okay. Parents seeing major charges on their credit cards, bank accounts that come from in-app purchases that their kids are making. Yeah, I... I- I think there, there are a lot of parents out there might be uh, 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 nodding their heads in agreement, others scratching their heads. Grandparents, this goes for you, too. That the app you download, the game, the time waster, the thing that you can put an iPad. I see everywhere I go, I see like kids with phones or iPads. Oh, yeah. And they're just playing on something. And you know what? At, le- at least they're not destroying the store. At least they're not running around like their hair is on fire. Fine. Let them do this little thing. What you may not realize is. That while many of these apps and games are free to download, the companies make their money off of in-app purchases, in-game purchases. And if your phone or your iPad or your computer are hooked up to a payment system, a credit card, PayPal, whatever it might be, the child can make purchases and it they may not even know what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? They're just... Kind of playing along with the game, and it, and it will ask, well, do you want more lives? Do you want more bubbles? Do you want more mushrooms? Sure, I do. Click. That'll make me better at the game. Absolutely, That's I ran out. That's what thinking. All right, and so what you may not know is every time you hit click, there's a charge to mommy or daddy's bank account. Oof. It's happening more and more, and we're seeing it here locally. Uh, a single mom talking about her kid, a seven-year-old, spending $900 on a game called Roblox. I don't you know. You say a about game Ro- called Roblox. I don't know Roblox. Oh, it's like the biggest game out there. Is it? Oh, yeah. Roblox and Fortnite are probably the I two. I don't know anything about Roblox. Pinnacle of, of app-based games. Yeah. I know Fortnite. I don't know Roblox. Okay. Well, mom's talking about that whole situation. A source of fun in Kayla's home has become a source of struggle for her. The timing could not have been 
hours. On Saturday, as her son was using the app, Kayla got a call from her bank. Several charges from Roblox, totaling $897. He's seven. He has autism. You know, it's hard for him to recognize consequences for his actions. Kayla's account overdrafted. The money she was saving for gifts, decorations, and rent, gone a week before Christmas. That from 12 News. We've seen other stories in the past of kids spending upwards of $16,000. Okay, you're blowing over that one. That one happened in Connecticut. Yeah. And the kid was playing uh, a game called Sonic Forces. That's like Sonic the Hedgehog? I do not believe it's Sonic the Hedgehog. No, it's not? Okay. And the seven-year-old kid, another one, six-year-old in this case, spent $16,293.10 on in-app purchases. (laughs) Before their parents realized, dear God. How much money do you have to spend on a game before your bank calls you? I mean, because the mom said that she got called for 900 bucks. Yeah. 16 grand? I would hope somebody calls me and is like, Where's the fraud alert, right? That whole day, yeah. What's up with you and Sonic Forces? I I can't, you know, the darn gas pump shuts me off all the time. It thinks I'm I'm trying to commit fraud. What, What about this? It is Sonic the Hedgehog, by the way. Is it I Sonic? It I, I don't know. I don't play it, but I, I, I Sonic it. Forces. Okay. Sonic Forces. So you have an incident like this yeah, in your so life. Yeah, so I just asked my brother about it. So my uh, nephew, Frank the Tank, the world's most destructive, insert whatever age he was at, um, he's now a senior in high school, which is, is, is fascinating in and of itself. But years ago, uh, and so my brother, I'd, I'd like to think my brother was on the cutting edge of this stupidity. Uh they downloaded a game where you you flew a fighter jet. Okay. And um, you, you shot down other planes. Okay. And you could put it in front of Ryan, uh, who was usually running around like his hair is on fire. But if you gave him the game to shoot airplanes, a couple hours later, and Ryan's still sitting there shooting airplanes. Okay. What my brother didn't know is you have to pay for the missiles. Oh, that's the, the game worst. is free. But if you run out of missiles and ask, do you want more missiles? You go, well, sure, I want more missiles. Definitely more missiles. And that's twenty nine dollars. And then you want oh. more missiles after that? Well, it's another twenty nine dollars. So my brother gets his credit card bill and can't figure out what the six hundred dollar charge is. And so he calls and finds out. That Ryan, a.k.a. Frank the Tank, spent $600 on missiles shooting planes down. On Dad's device? On Dad's iPad. Wow. Because his iPad was connected, you know, through Apple and all this, that, and the other. He called Apple and he said he got some of it refunded. Interesting. Not all of it. Yeah. Where he went, you know what? You guys didn't clearly... My brother's a lawyer, too. You guys did... You did not make this obvious that the little maggot could sit here and spend an unlimited amount of money in the game. Imagine how many calls these companies must get, these apps... Constantly. ...saying, oh, that $300 I spent on missiles, like, uh, that was my kid, wink, wink. You know what I mean? Like, you could make that purchase and then just claim that your kid did it. Hmm. It's hard to prove. It is. I accidentally bought something on an app once. What do you mean accidentally? I was playing a baseball app game. Okay. And uh, I don't even remember what the in-app purchase was. I, I have no idea because I accidentally clicked on it. Like, all it takes is, like, usually two clicks. Okay. To make a purchase. And it's connected to, you know, it's on my iPhone. Whatever so it is, right. Apple Pay or whatever it is. And boom, I spent $100. And well, immediately I was like, no, 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 no. That has a name. What is that? It's called Dark Patterns. And, uh... Fortnite, Fortnite just agreed to pay a fine. 
$520 million. For what? For making it too easy to click? For a variety of things. One of them being not being upfront about those in-app purchases uh-huh. and kids playing Fortnite. Predominantly, a lot of kids play it. Spending this money and not knowing about it. They got fined for a bunch of other things, too. But but one of them was what they call these dark traces, the, the um, ability and kind of a sneaky way to make charges. These, they're called um, uh, micro... What am I thinking again? Micro... Microtransactions. There it is. Because they're, you know, small, little, and they can be 99 cents, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you want a new shield for your character. You know, you want whatever it is. Right. 99 cents, dollar fifty. You have these microtransactions, but that they weren't really upfront that, oh, my God, that's real money. Probably a good idea to put parental controls on your devices. If you haven't done it, you source. should do it now. Uh, coming up next, one of the biggest filmmakers says he has finally found the answer to one of Hollywood's biggest questions. We'll give you the answer coming up next on the Gators and Chad Show. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gators and Chad Show. Valley teacher deserving of twenty five hundred bucks, then you should probably text teacher to four one one nine two three to nominate a teacher today for what we call pay tribute to a teacher. That's teacher to four one one nine two three. That's pay tribute to a teacher presented by your Valley Toyota dealers. A pretty cool thing that we do here on the show. Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad. You were telling me about something kind of funny yesterday because yeah. we, we were talking about Avatar Two. Is that what it's called? Basically, Avatar, Avatar, the way of the water, which uh, uh, sidebar. I don't like how sequels to movies now aren't the title and then the number. Now they're the original title plus an extra title. Okay, so you just wanted it to be Avatar 2. It's not Black Panther 2. It's Black Panther Wakanda forever. Right. Right. I mean, not a fan. Okay, fair enough. You just want to keep things in order. (laughs) I need some order to this. Exactly. I need to know exactly. Fast and Furious. 12. 17. I just want to know which one we're on. Ah, okay. They went to the moon in the last one. Um, we were talking about Avatar 2 yeah. and how long it took James Cameron to finally make the sequel. Yeah. I don't care as much about what he's working on now or anything, but you told me about a project yeah. that he's doing kind of so, on the side that's hilarious. Okay, so um, one of James Cameron, obviously one of his biggest movies, is Titanic. Yes. It's an epic. It's a classic movie. movie, right? All this. You could argue it maybe launched the careers of uh, uh, of of a um, Leonardo DiCaprio and maybe Kate Winslet, too. Well, Leo did Growing Pains. <laughs> I'm sure that's at the top of his uh, <laughs> yeah. his, his resume when he sends right. that one yeah. out. You know I was on Growing Pains. Yeah. Um, but there has been a debate Going around, certainly amongst fans of the film, maybe you could argue more fans of Jack, a.k.a. Leonardo DiCaprio, that they both could have fit on that wooden door and survived. They both would have fit on there. I firmly believe that to be the case. And what the... Okay. So apparently, James Cameron gets this question a lot. Okay? And he said... We've gone out to prove this. This is a quote from James Cameron. We've done a scientific study to put this whole thing to rest and drive a stake through its heart once and for all. Here's what they did to prove could the door, the wooden door, floating in the ocean, floating in the ocean as the Titanic sinks behind them, 
supported two people. <clears throat> James Cameron says, and I quote, we have done a thorough forensic analysis with a hypothermia expert who reproduced the raft from the movie. And there's a special coming out in February on this. Of course there is. We took two stunt people who are the same body mass of Kate and Leo. As you do. We put sensors all over them. Correct. And we put them in ice water. We tested to see whether they could have survived through a variety of methods. And the answer is... There is no way they both could have survived. Only one could survive. I don't believe them. I have always believed that he could have survived if they both fit on that door. <sighs> How do you feel if you're the you're the test subject for this? Here's here's the idea. We're going to stick you and another person in really cold water and see if you die. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're going to yank you out you slightly door. before hypothermia worry, kicks in. You'll have a door yeah. <laughs> that you can float on. I just think it's hilarious that they even went through with this. I mean, it sounds he like He says an for 25 years. He goes, it's the thing that most people ask him about. Of course. It's you one know, of the bigger plot holes in history. You know what's missing from that test? What's that? Abject terror. I thought you were going to say love. No, the seriously. Love. Think about it. You're in a, you know, controlled environment where okay. they're testing the water to a certain degree. Is that too cold? No. Can you stand it there? These people, ship just sank. They're yeah. in the middle of the ocean. They're worried about everything else. No. They adrenaline, left out the too. terror and the Well, yeah. So that would, that would boost the, the adrenaline. So I just think that. that plays a part in it. Probably. Probably your will to survive mm-hmm. matters, right? Yeah. You know, he did say... But Jack needed to die. He goes, you know, that was kind of the story. It's like Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) It's about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about mortality. If he didn't die on the door, James Cameron's saying he's going to die one way or the other. Hate to break it to you people that wanted him to live. I just love that they did the experiment. I think that's... Literally. I think that's great. And of course, they filmed a special. Who wouldn't? And they're going to make money off that special. Yeah. People are still going to ask him about it, by the way. This is not the end of the debate, I don't think. It's not a definitive answer. <laughs> coming up next, Doug Ducey's time as governor is coming to an end. What will we remember most from his time in office? Bruce and I will tell you what we thought next. <laughs>